Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Good morning. Let's start with a little bit of the gospel lesson, John's gospel, chapter 11, verses 35 through 45. Susie already hinted at this. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they, might, they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And happy spring. What a wonderful start to our spring season. Well, good morning. I am Thomas McCracken, and you can refer to me in the third person with the he and him pronouns. I am your guest preacher, but this portion of the service is not about the preacher. It's about the word of God being preached. But I suppose it's only appropriate that I do tell you a little bit more about me, more than what Rick has already introduced. But since I'll be with you a few weeks here, all the way through Easter, and I'm excited about that, you'll find out a little bit more about me sprinkled throughout the sermons I present to you much to the anxiety of my immediate family, I'm sure. 
But yes, after two engineering degrees and law school, I finally submitted to God's call to serve in Christian ministry. I've pastored two churches, one in Texas and one in Tennessee. I've crossed back into some secular work through the years, law practice, trust administration, charitable fundraising. But for just over three years now, I've been with Pension Fund of the Christian Church. Your 128-year-old denominational retirement plan, happily working with churches like Azel, uh, ministers, other church employees, and church-related institutions and their employees to have a, if you've ever seen our website, strong, smart, secure retirement. It's my favorite job ever, and I have the benefit of home officing down in Fort Worth. Our lesson from John's Gospel is the tail end of a story that's familiar to most of us, even if we're not too familiar with the Bible. The miracle of Jesus raising a dead man to life. The miracle is amazing in and of itself. But it begs so many questions, for me at least, as well. Why this man and not so many others who have died? Why not heal his illness rather than waiting until he was dead? But I believe our best lesson from this story comes from the narrative around that miracle. I don't know about you, but I'm often so much more attracted to the subplots, those minor stories around the main story. Okay, here's one of those get-to-know-the-preacher moments. I was born and raised about 300 miles west of here, down I-20. And I'm a sports fan, any sport. But West Texas is a great place for sports fans. Amen? It's the area that spawned Friday Night Lights. The book, the movie, the TV series. But more than all of that, a phrase that captures the emotion and nostalgia of high school football. Unfortunately, my high school was the punching bag for Odessa Permian back in those days. But we had another point of pride in my hometown, the Midland College Chaparral men's basketball team, which won the 1982 National Junior College Championship. The fact that it was led by an unlikely superstar is what attracted me to it. At five foot, seven inches, Spud Webb, could easily dunk a basketball in a 10-foot goal. I rarely missed a Midland College game as a kid and followed Spud Webb on TV after he left uh, Midland and joined the late Jim Valvano's NC State team the year after they won the 1983 National Championship. And I continued to watch him after college as he was drafted in the NBA, first playing for the Atlanta Hawks. An impossible journey especially for a five-foot-seven-inch basketball player. For reference, that's a few inches shorter than me. 
And in this gospel lesson, it's hard not to focus on the major plot. The dead man and the miracle of his resurrection. But the subplot is fascinating as well. Susie referenced this. Watching Martha and Mary and Jesus grieve after their friend. You and I look around in our world today and find so many reasons for our own grief. Near and far, terminal illness and disease, school violence, hate groups, broken governments and politicians, and on and on. We could go around the room and each of us would give different answers. But quickly... In the lesson from the Hebrew Bible, the, the, dead, the, the dry bones reference we've been hearing, Ezekiel chapter 14, we're not going to dwell on it uh, much this morning, but I want to go to it because it paints the picture, uh, gives us an image of the place I'm drawing you into. The prophet Ezekiel finds himself in a valley surrounded by dry bones. God asks the prophet, can these bones live? And God commands that prophet to preach to the bones, which he does. And they find life again. They form together. They gain flesh and then dance around. Can these bones live? I think God's asking rhetorically of that prophet because God knows the answer. Though the prophet like you and me perhaps thought such was impossible. It's a question really not of probability, but of possibility. God wanted to know if the prophet could see beyond that valley of death and still find life. And in the same way, God asks us if we can see beyond the diagnoses, the hatred, the violence, the mean people in our world and still hope. Still believe that life triumphs over death, that good defeats evil, that Jesus brings life. Looking at that subplot around Lazarus' death, I believe the grief of his sisters and Jesus provides us a helpful roadmap as we live through the days, the weeks, months, years ahead, no matter the twists and turns in our lives. It's as much of our journey in life as it is in our journey of Lent. So I purposely trimmed down this larger story in John's chapter 11 to capture just the end of the story, beginning with verse 35, where Jesus weeps. At the tomb. Already to this point, Martha and Mary had expressed their anger at Jesus for arriving too late to save their brother, so they thought. And this is normal, according to psychologists, if not healthy expressions as we go through our own grief. In your desolation and despair, whatever is weighing you down, You've got every right to be angry and to be mad. But as sure as we struggle to rise from the pandemic still today, 
and all those other obstacles in life, we know that humanity overcomes. It still hurts, but we are a resilient bunch. Look at Mary and Martha. Even after expressing their anger, each of them display some sort of hope. Martha, she quickly expresses both her belief that Lazarus will rise, at least in the afterlife, perhaps not fully comprehending that miracle that was coming, and her belief, she expresses, in Jesus as the Messiah. Then Mary, even as she expresses her anger, she does so on her knees at the feet of Jesus, expressing her reverence. So this morning, I challenge us in our despair and anger to be hopeful. We are church, we are friends in Christ, and we have one another to lean on in times that are difficult, to remind one another that Jesus, as we see, restores life from death. We see that in Lazarus, and we know that in our Easter Jesus, our hope is coming. But let's not go there just yet. Let's dwell in this Lenten desert just a little longer. I start our lesson at verse 35 for that reason, the simple act of Jesus shedding tears. Some things merit tears. And sometimes tears are the perfect response to a situation, as is true here at the death of Lazarus, and as is true in many of our personal situations. Travis Roberts, who is a social worker, wrote in Relevant magazine, pointing to a mental health revolution going on in America. He says, Myths about depression and other diseases are being rolled back and stigmas are being slashed away. But at the same time, Roberts notes that these positive trends are still in conflict with a broken conception of strength, a conception that paints emotional struggle as personal weakness, even social danger. So let's challenge that. There's arguably no actor in Hollywood right now more famous for his masculinity than Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock. Despite what appears to be a successful career first in wrestling and now in acting, Johnson is nagged by a lingering childhood memory of his own mother committing suicide. Following this event, he writes that he could not stop crying. And in doing so, he wasn't expressing weakness. He was demonstrating an internal strength, even at that young age, which we now see manifested in perhaps his overly developed body. When it comes to mental health, vulnerability is the key to resilience. Have you ever been injured so badly that you have cried? We have this one bed in our house that's particularly difficult to maneuver around. And I think all five of us have banged a shin or two at one point or another. 
It's been close to bringing me to tears. But I've broken bones, injured ligaments and tendons in the past that have certainly led me to tears. I don't think I was just being weak. Just the same for emotional energy, in injury. We can't call someone weak for being honest about their pain. It's funny, I had a different psalm to lift up this morning, but I like the psalm we had in the call to worship that we read or sung along to. Psalm 40, could you hear the desolation and the desperation in David's words? How long, O Lord, how long, how long? We repeated it, how long? But consider that Psalm 40 was written by a king, a warrior, a man who killed a lion with his bare hands. The rock knows what David knew, which is the same as what Jesus knew. Laying our souls bare is part of our duty and responsibility to those we love. Finally, the writer Debbie Thomas reflects on the lectionary scriptures. And as she wrote just three years ago on this same gospel scripture, the death of Lazarus, and think about three years ago, can you remember March 26th of 2020? Things were changing, had changed rapidly. She says, thank God Jesus wept. For me, this is the heart of the story as we live through the COVID-19 crisis. The grief takes hold of God and breaks him down. That Jesus, the most accurate revelation of the divine we will ever have, stands at the grave of his friend and cries. And I mentioned earlier that sometimes tears are the perfect response. Sometimes we don't have the words for a situation. Sometimes we doubt any words we might offer could make any impact. So think about what has weighed you down in the past days, weeks, months, years. Sometimes words are inadequate, inappropriate, or even impossible. This is Jesus at the tomb of his friend. Surrounded by grieving sisters, Debbie Thomas says, Sometimes tears are the best and most honorable language. Friends, as sure as Easter is coming, so is alleviation to the pressure and anxiety in and around us. As sure as Lazarus was raised from the dead, our families, our nation, and our world will rise and always lean toward love and justice. But in raising his friend from the grave, Jesus knew that he could not cancel out the past. Whatever joys awaited his family in the future would be layered joys, joys stripped of an earlier innocence, joys shaped by the sorrows, fears and losses they just endured. In Lazarus's case, his future would be nothing like his past. 
Forever afterwards, he'd be known in the village as the one who returned. And perhaps that bizarre fact would make him a hero. Perhaps it would make him an outcast. Either way, life would be new and strange and scary. Jesus' tears honor the reality of human change. He grieves because things will never be the same again. And the same is true in our lives. We will overcome the weight of this world, but we will be changed. I pray that we use our tears to learn from them, that we live changed lives, fuller lives, holier lives. So may we look back on our struggles and understand the source of our tears, the things that moved us so deeply that we find ways to deepen our connections with one another, ways to serve our community more broadly, ways to care for the broken in this room and outside of these walls, ways to worship the Lord in greater ways than we ever imagined. It's the brokenness that leads us to resurrection. That's Jesus' resurrection story. And so may it be ours. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.